This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How a Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Alan Knight. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Henry. It's great to have you. Uh, Alan is a former Zen monk. We're definitely going to get into that. Uh, turned communication and personal development expert. He has over 25 years of experience coaching and training people to transform their communication by empowering themselves. He has a master's degree in education from McGill University and has created a nine-step formula for entrepreneurs called Connect With Power. He's also the author of a book called A Night Without Armor, Nine Steps to Relationship Success in Work and Life, and is the founder of the Soulmate Revolution. So we're gonna chat about uh, the book and in particular areas related to communication. Uh, Alan has a unique way to help you take your knowledge and finally apply it to action with fast track results and methods to sustain the benefits long-term. Uh, Alan lives in the Vancouver, British Columbia area. And so in this episode, we're gonna learn about his journey, which is, which is a fascinating one, how he got to where he is today, and then some really good takeaways and, and tips and advice on effective communication and how that can help us in our personal life and in our small business. So once again, Alan Knight, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Henry. So let's uh, let's start at the where I usually start with folks, and that is uh, your your education. You went to college and got uh, a bachelor's in psychology, and then a master's in counseling and psychology and education. Take us back there. What were you? What were your plans then as to what you were going to do career wise? Well, I think a lot of it was shaped uh, when I was 13. My mother was diagnosed with cancer and told she had 13 or six months to live. And she lived for about 20 years. Wow. And my mother was really my, the first role model of the power of the human spirit. I never forgot that. Uh, when I was 19, my father passed away and I took a year off of university. At the time I was taking a, a bachelor in psychology and took a year off, traveled the world, and had a life-changing experience in that I came very close to dying on the desert. And uh, it was quite traumatic, but it changed my life because I went from being an atheist to being open-minded to, you know, what's life all about? Are we just a physical body? Are we more than that? And uh, one thing led to the other. When I returned back home to Montreal, where I, I lived at that time, uh, I met some amazing people uh, who were living at a Zen center 
And when I met them, I felt like, wow, I felt like I, I really resonated with, with, with who they were. And I ended up living there for nine years. That was the beginning of my sojourn into being a Zen monk. And uh, so I, living there for nine years, I, I really saved myself because I got to, to really experience a deep clarity of mind uh, and a deep sort of awareness of a part of myself that I had up until then not known. But after nine years, I missed girls too much, so I left the monastery, and that led me to <laughs> that led me to uh, taking a, a master's degree in education and counseling psychology. And my thesis was the quality of relationships with other starts with the quality of relationship you have with yourself. And I knew that I wanted to create something for the entrepreneurial world and for the dating soulmate world, and that's how it all began. Wow, fascinating. So obviously some significant life events that most people don't experience very early in your life. And as you said, that shaped you and sent you on this path. Uh, amazing. So Zen, becoming a Zen monk, and again, uh, I have very little knowledge, so you're going to educate us here. But the little bit I know is a lot of it is about this simplification of life, uh, doing one thing at a time, doing it to completion, those kind of practices. But educate us. Tell us briefly what is involved in becoming a Zen monk? Well, the first thing I want to say is that one of the things I learned is that you don't have to become a Zen monk or nun to learn what I learned. That's the yeah, first yeah. thing. Great point. I mean, yeah, those are principles and practices that anybody can apply, right? Right. It, it, you know, it's just that I happened to learn it that way, and then I realized I want to implement that into North American lifestyle because most of us are not living like that. But to answer your question, that kind of lifestyle is a very ascetic lifestyle, in that you know we we were primarily lived in not complete silence because there was some communication, but certainly not a lot of chit chat that norm, normal people would have in their daily lives. So there was a very intense meditation four times a day, uh, physical work, study. Uh, you know we we had some singing courses that we took, but it was a very ascetic lifestyle. But the interesting thing is that when I first became a monk. And when I started to take up meditation, to realize I was the real the reason I was drawn to it is because my first meditation experience, I realized how out of control my mind was. I realized how out of how hyperactive the rational mind could be. And the rational mind, one of my teachers once said, the rational mind is a great master, a great servant, but a terrible master. And we live in a world, even now, even more so with with the uh, with the, with the internet and social media, where it was everyone tweeting and texting and forever looking for information, that they don't get a chance to go beyond the rational mind into the intuitive mind. And so my experience as a Zen monk helped me to get into that space, that Zen zone that I call it, which is calmness, clarity, inner peace, tranquility, living in the moment. But then you realize that you then have to use that, integrate that into dealing with the physical body, in, in, integrate it into the emotion, into relationships, into daily lifestyle. So it was a great foundation, but it was the, only the foundation that led me to creating the nine-step program. Mm, sure. Very interesting. It's definitely very inward focused as all other techniques are that are similar, whether it's meditation or what have you. Why do you think it is, Alan, that we in our society, at least in this part of the world, we get so disconnected from that? Well, I, I think it just basically the influences around us. If we look at, you know, television, 
and we look at media and advertising, so much of it is around outer success. Mm -hmm. Now, outer success is wonderful, but if outer success is founded on emotional, psychological garbage, if, if, if we have a lot of self-esteem issues, if we're, uh, if we're overly competitive where we're trying to compare ourselves to others, if we have jealousy, insecurity, etc., that obsession with outer success will lead to a lot of destructive patterns and certainly a lot of uh, experiences that are not going to be very peaceful and fulfilling. Uh, so we don't live in a life that honors the, you know, it, 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 people don't want to hear about inner peace and tranquility. They want to hear about having a nicer car or, or you know, beautiful man or beautiful woman. You know, the focus is all outward and not inward. And it's not as sexy to focus inward. So I think that, you know, it's the opposite of living in the Himalaya mountains, where at, at that time in India, uh, if you go to, you know, Tibet or India, you're going to have a focus of uh, inward development and monks and nuns were respected. Here, it's athletes. Here, it's business people that are respected. So I think when one looks at it, it's about balance. And that balance needs to start from the inside. And only been in the last couple of years where I feel is why I'm taking my book and my training out into the world now, because I wanted to walk the talk. I wanted to be a master, not a, not a teacher. There's a lot of teachers, but few masters. And I wanted to make sure that I was living in that Zen zone most of the time so that I'm a walking example of how you can integrate that into your business, how you can integrate that into your relationships. And when you accept, respect, and adore, and love yourself like your own child, that joyful spirit will influence everything around you. Yeah, it's good, great points, great takeaways. We talk a lot about on this show this challenge of measuring ourselves and defining success by these exterior measures, these measures that others, society, have created for us, and how that just leads to significant unhappiness and stress, and and of course, failure in that regard. And instead trying to enjoy the journey, which is something I've been working on over the last few years, trying to correct that. But it all has to do, again, with this inward focus as opposed to all of these other things outside that we think we should aspire to and we're conditioned to aspire to. Well, there was one thing, Henry, I want to mention when you refer to the inward focus. I want to make sure people understand this is not a self-absorption focus. It's more about starting everything from the inside. In other words, I like to believe that if we take care and we grow personally in a very healthy, integrated way, then we're going to be much more loving in our one-to-one -one relationships. We're going to be much better parents and, and, and leaders in our businesses, and we'll likely try to impact the world in a wonderful way. So it's not about a self-focus alone. It's about a prioritization to create the boundaries that first, let's work on ourselves, let's get our act together. There's an expression somewhere in Zen, don't focus on taking the splinter out of someone else's eye before you take the log out of your own eye. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's uh, plenty of work for us to do inside. Absolutely. No, I love that. Thanks for that clarification. And I'm with you on that. That, that doesn't, What we're saying is not go and be by yourself and be uh, a recluse uh, somewhere in a mountain somewhere, although you can do that as part of your journey and your process. But no, what we're saying is, what you're saying and clarifying is we need to understand who we are first and love ourselves first before we're going to be effective of doing that with others in our business and in relationships, personal and business relationships. Exactly. Okay, so you this period of time, that's what happened in between school and then 
did you end up going to work for someone or did, how did you get to where you are now with founding in 2001 uh, Knight International Network? What happened in between there? There's a gap there I couldn't identify. Well, when I left living as a monk, it, it was very interesting because it, it again talks about what we were just talking about now is that I had learned to go deep into the Zen zone. But then when I got into the real world, I was triggered. The emotional, psychological issues that I had before didn't go away. So relationships. And some way I was immature in those things, you know, when it came to finance and business and relationships. But that's what I had to learn. So I went to get a job in a call center because I was a fairly good communicator. And I probably learned more about focus and listening and communicating in the call center that I did in all my years in university. A lot of people kind of poo-poo this, you know, that it's the lowest level of, of job, <laughs> being a telemarketer. I learned more in telemarketing than I learned, I think, anywhere else. So it helped me to learn to listen, to communicate, to overcome fear of rejection, etc. cetera. Uh, that's when I also went back to get a master's degree in education and counseling psychology. But once I got that, uh, the master's degree, uh, I had an insight that my destiny was to create a training program that would go beyond life coaching, rah-rah motivation, and just inspirational hype. And I knew that that's what was I had to do. And so from that moment on, I focused on that as my uh, career choice. Yeah, very interesting. And so when you launched Knight International in 2001, maybe that wasn't what it's called, but what, what was the business initially? Well, it was always about training and coaching in the area of personal development and communication. And I started off like a lot of other people teaching financial advisors and realtors, entrepreneurs, home-based businesses about communication. And then I made a, an interesting discovery is the more I got to know my potential clients, uh, I would interview them. And one of the first things I would say to them is if you want to build a successful business or if you're stuck and you you're, you want to get to the next level, uh, let's look at what's holding you back. And then I would ask them a, a very interesting question. I would say, how much work have you done on your own personal development and your communication skill development? And many of them would say, oh, I've done a lot. Now, what have you done? Well, I've attended a lot of workshops, a lot of rah-rah seminars, and I've read a lot of books. And then I would do my x-ray, and I would ask them to rate themselves 0 to 100% on about 30 categories. And I was blown away that after spending 5, 10, 15, sometime even more, 25 or $50,000 over the last number of years, that many of them still procrastinated. Many of them still had a hyperactive mind. Many of them still lack the sufficient self-confidence, boldness, assertiveness, communication, public speaking skills to soar in their business. And then my thought was, if they spent all this money, why are they not a lot farther along the road with these skills? And that's what led me into the laboratory to create the beginning of the nine-step formula. Wonderful. And we're going to get into that. But I want to come back to the, you've obviously said it a couple of times, this hyperactive mind. I want you to describe that, if you would, a little bit for me, make sure I understand what it is and for our listeners, because I suspect that most of us suffer from that, if that's the right word, suffer. But describe what that really means, if you would. Okay, if you, first of all, let's use you as an example, Henry. 
would you agree that there are times in your life where you have deep level of inner peace, tranquility, and freedom, mo at least momentarily? Sure. Yes. So let's let's call that the Zen zone, for want of a better word. Then obviously you have rational thoughts. You have you have thoughts every day in your life, and you have emotions every day in your life, and you have a physical body that takes you around. So when it comes to the thoughts, the rational mind, the analytical mind, there are times if you and I sat down, Henry, and wanted to brainstorm how we're going to create a program for entrepreneurs, you and I would be using our rational mind to do that. And presumably that would be the positive use of the rational mind. However, part of the problem is that most of us spend every day with a lot of negative usages of the rational mind, like thinking too much or thinking negatively, self-doubt, critical to, to being too hard on yourself. And a lot of us have what's called a mind gone wild where the mind is spinning out of control. And I ask many people, how many of you have an hyperactive mind that's out of control and thinking way too much in the day? And many people will raise their hand because there's a stream of thoughts that come into our, our consciousness that keep us from experiencing deep levels of tranquility, mental clarity, and inner peace. That's what I mean by the hyperactive mind. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. And that, that makes sense. And I thought that's what you were talking about there. And it's definitely where that applies for our listeners that we talk about a lot in this show. Other people call it being in the zone, perhaps. And it's related to the other approach that we've talked about a lot in this show, which is to time block. For example, I was working on a project this morning that required my full concentration. But it's interesting how it takes it takes some work to tune out all those other inputs, all those other thoughts and just be in that creative state so that I can create good work or the best work that I can create on that particular project. And unless you're able to do this, what happens to us as entrepreneurs in particular, because we have so many demands on our time and on us as a person that we end up not doing anything well, right? That's, I'm sure that's what you find. Well, I think what happens because of the stimulation of, in society of the media, of the pressures, of social pressures, social media, expectations, family, children, it is very easy for us to get off track and allow the external world to control us. It's still our choice, still our decision. Now, very few people have the discipline or the commitment to say, I need to take some quality time for, for myself. I am very busy in my life. I have a lot of people in my life. I have a lot of responsibilities. But because of what I know and because I'm practicing what I preach, I don't. there's not a day that goes by in the last 35 years where I don't take at least 45 minutes to an hour early morning to do what I need to do to get in the zone. And when you're in the zone, the beautiful, the beautiful aspect of it, Henry, is that then you could ripple effect it into the rest of your day so that if I get under stressful situations uh, that are building up, I'm able to respond rather than react. But if I don't take the time to get in the zone myself, then what happens is it's very easy to get irritable, get frustrated, to get reactive, and then to blow up. And in some cases, that leads to very destructive results. Yeah, great stuff. We could talk about this. I could talk about this for hours, but let's let's bring it into the the first topic I want to dive in a bit more on, which is communication. So let's start with, if you would, 
just highlighting for us and introducing us to why, beyond the obvious, why effective communication is so important, and in particular, as it relates to us achieving success in life and in business. Where, where does communication come into play? Well, to me, communication is just about just about everything we do every day. Most of our day when we get up, you know, from the time we get up to the go to sleep, we have our personal relationships and we have our business relationships. And in business, we're communicating. We're communicating verbally, non-verbally, uh, online. Uh, and so the question is, how effective are we at communicating? How effective are we at listening? How effective are we at getting out of our own way and really uh, understanding our potential clients? How good are we at understanding personality types so that we can respond appropriately? How good are we at asserting ourselves when it's time to take charge? And the list goes on and on and on. Now, the interesting thing is over the years, I've discovered that 80% of our communication, if not more, it comes from the relationship that we have with ourselves. It oozes out from us. When you're in the zone, when you're calm, when you feel great in your own skin, when you're filled with joy, then that comes shining through into all of our relationships and 10 or 20% has to do with the content and technique. But if we're entering into all our communications every day with fear, insecurity, timidity, shyness, introversion, uh, aggressiveness, bullying, you know, that, that is going to affect every one of our communication and among which we're gonna lose a lot of clients and, and lower the results of our business. So communication is key as I see it. Yeah, I completely agree. That's been the experience in my life. Um, I learned it a lot in my sales career. And you touched on two things and you talk a lot about these things, but the key is listening. That's the key in, the, in any sales process and sales is about communication, certainly from my perspective. The listening is important and I'm fairly good at that. The other thing you touched on that I'm not always as good at is understanding who you're talking to. So personality types and how they're going to perceive how you say what you say. So talk to me a little bit more about that, um, dealing with personality types and adjusting your communication style perhaps to fit that other personality. Well, before I answer that question, I wanna make sure that you see the context within which I answer it is that the reason I developed the nine steps and the reason I developed the nine steps in a way where the first seven steps have to do with the relationship you have with yourself, step eight and nine have to do more with communication, is that if we jump into communication too prematurely, then if you have a hyperactive mind or insecurity or fear, no matter what techniques and no matter how well you might understand others, it's not gonna work well. Because that's, because will, that's going to come through, right? That you're, you're, I'm going to emit that even before I open my mouth. Is that right? Your vibe. I'll pick up I'll, subconsciously or consciously. I'm going to pick up your vibe and I'm going to be affected by it. But to answer your question, uh, if I'm speaking to Jane Doe or Joe Blow and they're timid or shy, I have to take that into consideration because first and foremost, in any sales uh, relationship that I might have or business relationship, my first interest is not selling you something. My first business is to connect with you, to create an environment of trust and likability so that we're building a potentially long-term business relationship, which of course will result hopefully in sales one way or another. But it's first and foremost is to connect with you. So if I understand that you're fearful and timid and shy, 
I'm going to deal with you very differently than your Mr. Macho. And, and, and if, if I'm free inside, if I've mastered myself to a certain degree, then when I'm with you, Henry, I can focus on you, not my own ego. So that will help me to communicate a lot better. That's why step eight and nine are much more effective when you've mastered yourself. Yeah. And in a situation, you've touched on this, when it's I've met the person for the first time, obviously I have to come to it with that right mindset, but also that listening and observing is what allows me to get those early cues as to how this person might respond. Am I on to that right? Yeah, and that, that's the beauty of getting to step seven where you get, you're, you're, you're so in the zone that every human being that you encounter, Henry, business-wise, children-wise, spouse-wise, dating-wise, I don't care what, what it is, when you get your ego out of the way, you can then focus on how do I create an environment within which I make this person feel comfortable. The focus is other-centered, not you-centered. That's the irony. The Zen zone, you got to take care of yourself first. But once you have taken care of yourself to the point where you're feeling pretty damn good and peaceful and joyful in your life, you can then focus on how do I make this person feel better? How do I enrich this person? How do I, how, do I, does this person need a hug or does this person need a kick in the ass? And then your mastery of your communication is enhanced and empowered a thousandfold. Yeah, and people respond to nothing better than that, right? When they feel like you are worried and concerned about them and their feelings, every human being responds to that. Totally. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? Perhaps you need help understanding and overcoming your fears. Maybe you're not entirely sure about what it really takes to be ready, willing, and able to become your own boss. My online program is about helping you take the first critical steps towards realizing your dreams of entrepreneurship. I will take you step-by-step step through a process that will help you determine if you are in fact ready to be your own boss and specifically identify what you need to do next. To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. So as it keeps relating this to business and, and in our small businesses, you talk a lot about also the art of networking and speaking and using that approach to grow our business. Talk to us about that and why that's so important. Well, you know, even after all these years of being influenced by social media, and I'm all for social media and I use social media, but what I'm discovering, Henry, is that there is a desire and a recognition of the true power of the belly to belly, the eyeball to eyeball. And even now in my life, I will, no matter who I meet, I like to call them or I'll send a video message to them. I like to keep it personal. And my attitude is no matter who I meet, you never know how we can mutually help each other. They may or may not be interested in what I do directly, but if I respect this person and understand behind this person is hundreds if not thousands of people 
as there are in behind me. And if we can have an attitude of how do we help each other? Uh, networking becomes a, an amazing art. And if you use it properly, speaking and networking and presenting done in a relationship building way is truly powerful to build our business. And of course, the social media augments that and helps that depends on the product or service you, you. But even in social media, your vibe will come shining through. If you do use YouTube, it's your videos. And in your videos, are you pretentious or are you authentic? And so people skills in every way are powerful to build success in our business for sure. Yeah, definitely agree. Now, most of the clients I work with, most of the people I interact with that are entrepreneurs, they're fine communicating one-on-one, -on -one, but it's when you put them in front of a group or in a networking event that then all those other issues, shyness, introversion, just lack of confidence come out. So can you share a couple of tips of how you help people start to overcome that? Well, that's interesting because I always, well, I call those the scud missiles of life. It's fine to focus on the things that make us uncomfortable. But as soon as we're in environments where we get uncomfortable, that's a perfect opportunity to grow. In other words, those are triggers that just triggers our inner emotional, psychological stuff that we need to work on. So uh, I embrace those. I just, I just thought I'd mention that. As far as tips uh, to turn that around, uh, a couple of things come to my mind. Nothing replaces practice. In other words, one of the first things that I'll encourage a lot of my clients that come to me to empower their public speaking skills is go out there and practice. Uh, join, join Toastmasters. Now, Toastmasters won't teach people to the depth that I will about how to turn everything around, but it's a great platform to practice and get feedback and get support. So one of the things I would say is if you're afraid of something, whether it's cold calling or presenting or public speaking, practice, jump in, go beyond your fear and practice. The second thing that I would recommend to people is that anytime they get triggered, their insecurities and fears get triggered, that use that as an opportunity to change your self-talk, to change the way that you see yourself. Because if you're that insecure, give me an example. I used to, um, my mother was a very beautiful, I know this is a funny example, but it's a personal dating example. My mother was a very beautiful woman inside and out. And my brother, four and a half years older than me, was a tough act to follow. He was first number one in his medical class. He was a great athlete. He was so good looking, he was called Dean Martin, for those of your, your listeners that know who Dean Martin is, uh, of the Rat Pack. I love Dean Martin, one of my mentors. That's another story. And my brother was a hard act to follow. So when I was growing up as a teenager and into my early 20s, Every girl, even though I was popular and pretty good athlete myself, every girl that I was attracted to immediately would turn away from me because they could pick up on my insecurity and fear. In my mind, they were going to prefer someone else because someone else like my brother would be better than me. And therefore, I was brought up with that insecure feeling. So it was very motivating for me to work on my inner self and work on my mindset around my self-esteem so that every time I would meet a girl, I would realize I was better and better and better because I began to believe in me more and more. And that's the beauty of personal development work that's very required to turn all that around. Yeah, no, great example there and great story. Thanks for sharing that. And I think, you know, going back to an example 
that you touched on when you're about to go into that network event or that meeting or that presentation i think for all of us to some extent that hyperactive mind starts to kick in you're no good you're you're going to be a fraud it's going to go terribly they're not going to like what you say somebody's going to ask you a question you don't know the answer to all that stuff goes to your head and if you just take a moment to quiet that down and kind of maybe give yourself a goal. I'm not the best in those kind of networking situations, so I'll give myself a goal and say, I wanna meet two new people today. That's it, that's my goal, very simple. There's a room of 40 people here that I don't know. I just wanna meet two new people. And so that helps me with not setting this ridiculous objective for that uncomfortable situation, but something that's attainable for me. Yeah, and there's another little practical tip that might help your clients is that uh, when I was preoccupied, and I teach this to my clients, when you go into a room and you feel insecure for whatever reason, and you are oh, become aware of the insecurity you arise, instead of running from it, feel it, feel the emotion, be aware of the thought, and then respond to it like you would a, 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 a negative relationship. Say, thank you for, talk to yourself as if it's outside yourself. Thank you for sharing those negative thoughts not really interested, when they get back on track and into the zone. And then you self your talk your way away from that and then go on to meet a person, even if you're fearful and a little bit nervous, then you get on. And once you do that a couple of times or three times, then you're gonna feel a lot better. So it's a simple thing that you can use in the moment. Yeah, it's great, that's a great technique. And we're talking about all this because unless you aren't really paying attention. Communication is the key to everything. And so as small business owners, the more effective we are at communicating, again, whether it's an idea that we're communicating to our partner or a plan that we're trying to implement and we need the buy-in of our group, our staff, and perhaps other business partners, or we're selling, we're out there presenting why they should choose us. We are always interacting and communicating at a personal level. And that's why this is so important especially for entrepreneurs to get better and better at. Henry, I have another story. Do yes. we have some time for That Absolutely. will be very helpful. Is um, when I started public speaking, one of my first large gigs was in front of 500 realtors. And I was so nervous. I ran around for a couple of weeks trying to put PowerPoints together because I wanted to be perfect. And by the time, this was like when I began, this was way back, way back when, and uh, 500 people in the room, and I was introduced, and I literally froze. Oh boy. I froze, and I couldn't open my mouth. And then I started to open my mouth, trying to follow the slides, and inevitably, I could feel many people starting to leave to the point where half the people left the room within the first five minutes, and I'm convinced to this day, the other half stayed out of compassion. <laughs> and, you know, that affected me so powerfully for about six months. But then I learned the biggest lesson of my life. Because I'm the kind of guy that always wants to learn what my lesson is and how can I get better, right? right? And I learned the lesson that I, by nature, am a personal, in, in the face kind of guy. I don't, I don't want to focus on PowerPoints. I want to focus on connecting with you. And from that point on, I started to focus my presentations on, guys, I'm here to help you to communicate more effectively. I'm going to ask you a few questions. We're going to connect. And then I would use the odd PowerPoint as a backup if I needed it. But I didn't focus on being perfect. I then focused on being genuine, authentic, and myself. And I never had that problem again. Yeah, love that. Great story. 
All right, let's uh, focus on the nine steps. We've been talking about these nine steps, and they're, of course, uh, detailed and, and articulated and spelled out, and all of the details behind it in the book. But uh, we don't have time to go through all nines, all nine steps. But are there a couple that stood out that I wanted to get your clarification on or a little bit more on? Number two is drop the armor. And I think we've touched on that already, but what does that mean at a high level? Well, at a high level, the reality is that when we're working on an effective communication and we start to realize that we're in the way, our fears, our insecurities. Remember, we have been affected ever, ever since we were little, little born, little child, uh, by, our, by our parents, by our, our social pressures. And that's where the initial emotional, psychological garbage began. And we're still to some degree holding on to those things. Unless we address that in some way, uh, and, and if we need deep psychology and psychotherapy, I, I direct my people to someone else. But most people can change and turn a lot of that around quite quickly. So dropping the armor means letting go the negative past, letting go the stuff um, that I've learned holds most people back. You know, one of the things, Henry, when I look at the number one thing holding most of us back from my personal experience, my professional experience, is most people are too hard on themselves. They're too self-critical. So what I do in that step is help you to release the energy of some of that negativity, just like letting the infection out of your physical body so you can replace it with proper nutrients. So letting go is, uh, is enables us to let go uh, anger, resentment, trauma that we've had toward others and letting go of being so hard on ourselves. So there's two A and two B. And it's just a letting go process that I take people through. Yeah, that's wonderful. And again, to keep everybody on track, we're talking about these nine steps to relationship success in work and in life. That's at the heart of the book uh, that's called uh, A Night Without Armor. Obviously, it plays off of Alan's last name. And so drop the armors again, because we bring otherwise we bring that all into the room or the conversation or the relationship. And then that starts us off on the wrong foot and creates all kinds of issues. And so that's part of what you address there. Well, if I'm a business person trying to network with other people and I have a one-to-one -one, and all I'm thinking about is how I'm going to sell them. And then I try to promote myself because of my insecurity or my desperation to make a sale and don't have the ability to build relationship, then I need to learn to drop some of my armor because if I don't drop some of my armor, I'm going to lose sales or I'm going to manipulate people. But then create a negative impression and, and uh, you know, sort of uh, 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 the effect I'm going to have on people who are not about to give me a great testimonial because I'm too pushy a salesman is going to affect me sooner or later. That's right. That's right. All right. Number seven is activate your power to manifest. What does that mean? Well, what that means in step four, it's, it's a more advanced step than step four. Step four is, is all about inner fitness. It's about empowering yourself at a deep level to transform some of the emotional, psychological stuff that we let go in number two, is to build up our inner power, mind, emotion, and, 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 and inner getting in the Zen zone. And so as we do that in step four, we build up our inner power, step number seven, is really advanced, it's more an advanced stage of that because five is goals and accountability, is creating power on the outside of our achievement. Step number six is busting through the barriers. And so we learn to, to, to master ourselves at a high level. And number seven 
is what I call the true power to manifest because we hear so much about the law of attraction and manifestation. But if we haven't worked through step the early steps, then we're just fooling ourselves if we try to believe I'm great, I'm wonderful, I'm one. No, I'm not wonderful. I still don't like myself. So in step number seven, it's the magic of taking, it's really teaching people uh, motivational techniques on st steroids. Like I'm at a place in my life that I've never been where consistently almost every moment, not only am I living in the zone, but I live without hardly any little self-doubts or fears because I am so embracing the advanced level of motivation, confidence, belief, and determination. I have some physical issues that I'm working on right now, and I'm taking my whole belief into the healing process to a whole new level. And once you learn how to do that with one thing, you can do that with everything in your life, including your business. So the seventh step is really motivation on steroids. Yeah, and so when you do that, when you have that level of confidence, not arrogance, but confidence, and you can bring the best of yourself to that relationship, whether it's personal or business or both, that then you're at your best and you're, you're able to put the best of you forward, right? Absolutely. And from, you know, being an entrepreneur and being in business, you, if you could be a leader, if you could be in sales in such a way where you make everyone feel so comfortable uh, to be around you, that's only creating an amazing foundation for them to want to do business with you. So there's nothing more, better that you can do than to do that. Yeah, love that. Okay, we've just touched on the nine steps, obviously, impossible to cover it in a conversation. That's what the book is about. And of course, the programs that you offer, we'll get into that in a moment. But let's segue a little bit more personal. Question I always ask people is, what do you think have been some of the keys to the success you've had in your life and in your business? Well, I know the, 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 the one that I'm going to tell you about, Henry, you may laugh at, but... Um, it has had more impact on me than anything. I would say, first of all, coming close to death a couple of times has helped me because it's pushed me to the brink to surrender and to, to be motivated enough to let go ego, you know. But if you are looking for one person who's influenced my life more than anybody <laughs> is the Rat Packer, Dean Martin. Interesting. And people laugh at me when I say that. and But I'm being honest because... You know, most people look back at Dean Martin, and some of your younger uh, listeners may not know who Dean Martin is, but he was part of the Rat Pack with with Frank Sinatra. And growing up, Dean Martin didn't mean much to me at all. But Dean Martin, I've studied his life, and I watch his videos, like three, three or four videos of his every day, because they've impacted me in an incredible way. And to understand why, I have to go back to this expression of knowledge is power. Because most motivational speakers will say, you know, how many of you agree that knowledge is power and everyone put it up their hand? Well, I believe knowledge is power in some situations. If we, you and I want to be a doctor, knowledge is power. If you, want, want to, uh, if you and I want to be social scientists, knowledge is power. But when it comes to interpersonal skills, I think the opposite is, heart, is true. The heart is power. Joy is power. Passion is power. Simplicity is power. Listening is power. And yes, having some knowledge can be helpful. And why I say Dean Martin, Dean Martin was one of the greatest entertainment entertainers of all time. And he was very insecure about the fact that he didn't have much education. 
Yet when he, in 1965, NBC wanted him to have a, a show and he said, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to get up and play golf and have fun. And, and he didn't really want to get into that. They, they, they begged him to do it. And he said, the only way I'll do a show is if I come in two hours before the show and everyone busted their butt for a, for a week to rehearse. And he made mistakes, came in, and he was the, had the number one show for 10 years, 1965 to 1974, I think it was. 55 million people around the world loved him. And the reason is because they're great entertainers today, but no one had the joy and the smile and the funness of Dean Martin. And I send most of my clients his videos. Why? Because he demonstrates what most motivational speakers have tried to help me to realize through their training because he demonstrates joy and passion and he makes people feel good because that energy and that vibe comes flowing through. And that's what has influenced me because I try to become that more and more every day. It's very interesting. You know, very interesting. I don't know that much about him just a little bit. The the bit uh, that is included in what I know about him is he had a challenge with drinking. Is that true or is that a myth? Well, first of all, he had a drink because in the 1960s, that was the, the image. It was always cool to smoke and drink. Much of that was a myth. Some of it was true because he did have some issues later on in life and his son died, got killed in a plane accident. And he was a social drinker. But what was in his glass was apple cider. Mm, and so that, that was a gig. That's why people think he was drunk. He wasn't drunk on the stage at all. Yeah, no, very interesting. Another question for you. What do you love most about what you do today? Well, I, I think to me, nothing nothing gives me more uh, fulfillment than seeing people grow and see people getting into great relationships. That's why I launched the Soulmate Revolution. Connect with Power is more for entrepreneurs. The Soulmate Revolution is more about relationships. Nothing excites me more than people to see them grow, uh, empower themselves, and get into great connections, whether it's for business relationships or personal relationships. Nothing makes me happier than seeing that. And so, Alan, give us the, the brief elevator pitch on the services you offer your clients today. Well, in a nutshell, I help people who are somewhat held back by insecure, fear, uh, insecurity, uh, timidity, shyness, lack of confidence. I provide them the tools and techniques to fast track their ability to get in the zone and communicate with maximum confidence, clarity, and impact. In a nutshell, that's what I do. And then I believe you offer a free complimentary coaching session? Yeah, if anyone goes to connectwithpower.com, you could book an appointment with me and I'll give you a complimentary session. Obviously, it's for people that have an interest in coaching, but there's no obligation. So, you know, there's going to be no pressure for you to sign up for my coaching program. But I'm happy to get on Skype phone. And if you happen to live in Vancouver, I can even meet you personally and do a complimentary session where in that session, I will help you to identify specifically what's holding you back, give you some strategies related to what the solutions are. And then we can see if there's a fit for personal coaching. Yeah, that's a great offer. All right. So besides your own book, is there a book that comes to mind that you would recommend to our listeners? Well, I was going <laughs> to I was thinking about that, and then I'm just going to tell, I'm just going to say, if you want my favorite book, it's called Dean and Me by Jerry Lewis. Uh, so Dean and Me by Jerry Lewis, because Jerry Lewis loved Dean Martin, and he wanted the world to know how he impacted the world 
So I'm going to say Dean and Me is my favorite book. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. We'll, we'll have a link to that book as well as to your book, which again is called A Night Without, uh, Without Armor. And we'll have links to that on the show notes page for this episode. So thanks. For yeah, that. and the night, the night Without Armor is more of a how-to book. It's a simple book. It's not a long book. I want it to be practical because if it was the only book that I've ever that I would ever write, I wanted to leave people with not so much talking about Alan Knight's life, although there's a bit of that, but it's the nine steps. So the nine chapters go over the nine steps. So it's a real practical how-to book. Yeah, it's great stuff. All right, uh, final thought or parting piece of advice for our listeners. Well, first of all, I want to thank you, Henry, and you know, looking over some of your podcasts, just want to acknowledge you for the great work that you're doing and look forward to following you and sharing your advice and share your podcast with my tribe as well. And I would say uh, parting advice for your tribe is the best thing you could do uh, for your business, for your personal relationships, is just make sure you take some quality time to take care of yourself, love yourself like your own child, and then share that joy with the world around you. That's the best advice I can give. I love that. Thank you. And where would you like our listeners to go online to find out more about you and your business? Well, they could either go to connectwithpower.com or alanknight.com, although alanknight.com will become more and more connect with power. Just go to connectwithpower.com. And uh, if they want to email me, I'm at alan at alanknight.com. If they want to phone the 800 number, it's 1-866-921-3330. Fantastic. And we'll have all of that contact information on the show notes page as well for this episode. Alan, it has been extremely interesting. We could chat for another couple hours, but uh, thank you so much for sharing of your time and your knowledge today. Thank you for having me, Henry. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. This is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.